Episode number 31 of the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Kyle Gregg. So, Tom, how's things going? Good. Well, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a good show for the listeners this week. We've got a few things which I know a lot of listeners were following over the weekend, particularly with you, which they're keen to hear about. But before we get going, we just want to do a little shout-out. We're going like, to dedicate this show to a, a club mate of ours, Grant Allen, who, who sadly died this weekend and uh, Grant was was a young guy, early 30s, a keen runner, really enjoyed being part of Metro Aberdeen so you know we just want to want to dedicate today to Grant and uh, and send our best wishes to his family. Yeah you've said that bang on Tom, yeah really sad to hear about Grant um, passing away this weekend, um, it, yeah a real tragedy what happened but yeah hopefully you know it's um he was in a lot of pain as well and uh really good to really good to dedicate the show. I think that's the least that we can do. And I know you guys had a club run yesterday as well and um and hopefully that went really well and you had a pint or two at his uh his local dig as well, didn't you? We did. We raised a glass to him last night, so I think it, it really showed, you know, what the running community can do that um, you know, a lot of, it was a big thing for him, so yeah, sad to lose Grant, but we'll we'll dedicate today for him. And I know there's there's a few things that being a runner, Grant would have loved to hear about. The first and foremost we're going to talk about is your 81 miler at Hardmoor, which um, you know would would have had him entertained <laughs> to no doubt. So we'll talk about that. We've also got a bit of a, I've been getting back into cross country action this weekend, and we've got first of a two part interview with Robbie Simpson. Fat Simpson's joined us, so a lot to go on this week. Yeah, definitely. I think it's about time that we had Robbie on the show. He's uh, we've been meaning to get him on for quite a while now, and uh, <laughs> I think he should be one of the first first people on the show. But hey ho, you've managed to grab him and uh, hold on to him for a couple hours, I'm sure. So Absolutely. yeah, really really excited to listen to that interview. I'm sure it'll be fairly insightful as well, and I'm sure Absolutely. you'll get all the all the secrets about um, <laughs> eating lots of food and and, and staying trim. So, starting off, Kyle, let's cut to the chase. Talk us through what the hell happened to you at the Hardmoor 80. Uh, well, well, the, the name, the, the name's in the hard, hard. It was definitely hard, and it was in the Moors, the Yorkshire uh, Moors. And oh God, Tom, it was an absolute tragedy for me. Like it was just, I mean, I was out for 18, 18 hours of running. I was expecting to be finished in about I don't know, twelve or thirteen hours, but. Little did I know that the the race was just going to be a a race a race to a race for survival to the end. Uh, so just I don't know if any everyone knows about the the reason I was doing it, but the main reason I was doing it was to qualify for the the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc. Now the entries for it open in mid December, and and I only had fourteen points, and you need fifteen points to qualify. Um, so so I needed to find essentially I needed to find a race to do. Uh, to get the 15 points. So the luck, the, the good thing is, usually with the UTMB, you need, um, you know, you need, you need, you, you can get the points, then you you get entered into a ballot. But luckily for me, I've got enough world ranking points to qualify as an elite. Uh, but regardless, I need that 15 points. <laughs> so about three, about three weeks ago, I think, Tom, uh, well, I was eating and drinking a lot and hardly doing any bloody training. I was. I just clicked frantically if there was any. I don't know five pointers around, and uh, I think the only one I could see was 
80, 80 odd miles. There wasn't any. I'm usually five points if you get one about 60 miles, you know. <laughs> so, so I clicked on one and I thought, oh shit, that's 81 miles. And I was like, oh, okay, right, well, I know that. Um, so, so that was that. Uh, I was, I was, I felt quite confident. I, I didn't, I don't think I really took in that I was running for 81 miles. It's the longest ever run I've ever done, you know. But, uh, but anyway, got to the start of the race. Um, so it starts in uh, Hessel, and it, and it finishes in Filey. So it's and it's literally undulating two and a half thousand meters of climb, which does sound quite a lot, but over eighty-one miles, it's really not that significant in terms of big climbs. I mean, it's just fairly, it's undulating all the way to the end. And I don't, I don't think, think there was any flat sections, Tom, at all. You know, um, but anyway. 8am start on the Saturday, got my kit checked, uh, everything was all good. It's quite a lot of kit to take though, you know, it's quite heavy. I picked up my I picked up my bag and it was almost the same weight as me. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. But as you do, you know, usually before, right before a race, you need to go for a piss or a, a crap, you know. So there was me, right, I need to go for one last pee. I didn't need a, a crap this time. So I just went for one last pee behind the bushes. Then... <laughs> came out and I was like, right, I see a few other runners doing the same thing and I'm hoping, and it was, there was so many leaves on the ground, it was difficult to know where your feet are. <laughs> so, I, so I walk out again and what, I feel this, I feel this squidge and I thought, that's not mud, Tom. Oh, uh, no. And you know, fine, it's not a dog crap, it's a human oh, crap. Oh, no. These, these are my new, uh, my, disgusting. Uh, my new salmon shoes I had on as well, but the, the ultra ones, and, uh, and I was just like, ah, shit. And I was like, where am I going to, literally. So I was like, how am I going to, and it was like all over the front of them. And I was like, the race is about to start in two minutes. And I'm, I'm rubbing the crap off of the, off my shoe. And I thought, this is a disaster already. Uh, but I eventually got it all off. I found a good bit of wet grass to get it all off, you know. So, uh, so at, at that point, I was like, well, I can't really get any worse, can I? Um, but, in, in the race briefing, they, they, they did say, so I get to the start, and the, the start, there's a, there's a bit of a bottleneck in the first 100 metres. You've got to go through a gate. Uh, it's a fairly narrow gate. So, so I was like, I was warned of this. So I was like, right, I have to go hard so that I'm not like waiting for five minutes to, to get through this gate. You know, and I know it's 81 miles and I'll catch them up, but I just didn't want to have that, that, that kind of, lack of confidence at the start of the race <laughs> so I went, off, I went off hard for the first 100 meters and i say hard it was like seven minute miles so it's not okay. it's not really eyeballs right it's not like your cross country your national cross country pace but it was pretty fast and i was like god i'm in the front already yes uh but i just uh, even in my head even though i i knew that i wasn't as fit as before i was like right i think i'm going a little bit too quick uh, so I dropped back into fifth and sixth place and felt felt quite good. Uh, seven and a half minute miles. It was fairly flat, nice and easy. And I was just chatting to people. It was quite nice. Yeah, I made some new friends. And what I found was a lot of the guys who I was racing, uh, they were doing, they were they were in it for the same reason I was in it. They were wanting to get the five points to to get into the ballots for the UTMB. Um, so so that that was quite reassuring that I wasn't the only one who was. Go, you know, doing the race and, and just going for the completion. But you know what, like, Tom, you get into the, you, you, you get in the race mode, don't you? And you, so, you, 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 I'm just oh, going to yeah. say one thing. 
last week when we talked about it, you you talked about how long you thought it might take you, but you also quoted the course record, and that told me all I need to know that the racing beast was in there somewhere. I did. I remember. I actually remember saying that it was like thirteen hours, but I was like, that's about ten and a half minute miles. Ten minute miles. Now I'm going at seven minute miles here. Seven, maybe not seven. Seven and a half minute miles for the for the first forty odd. 30 miles or so. Yeah, felt in control, you know, and I did think I did think that the pace was perhaps in, a bit on the hefty side, mind you. Um, but then, then again, there was a couple of guys, I mean, there was, was a couple of guys who were pushing the pace as well, so I wasn't even in first by this point. I know, I was kind of, I was expecting that they would fall back a lot and then I would just, you know, be able to pull on ahead because I didn't know who they were and and usually you, you, you would know these people but uh, so I was running along I caught up with the top the top two guys and that's, I was like maybe they're in the relay <laughs> and they're only going halfway <laughs> I don't I don't know but no nah, they were in the individual and they they were going for the exact same reason I was to to get uh, in the UTMB ballot so I was chatting to the eventual second place finisher uh, Rob Payne and the eventual. Winner of the race, uh, sees Van der Land from the Netherlands. The flying uh, Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, we did. I mean, it was we were chatting away, and it was difficult to know like how good they were, and you're kind of you're asking these really awkward questions, not awkward questions, but getting to know them, finding out if they're actually good or not, and yeah. and lo and behold, you know, I think they were pretty quick. So I was like, all right, okay, well, yeah, well, that's fine, but I'm yeah, I'm still gonna. I'm gonna now that there's there's two good guys in the race. I'm gonna race this. Uh, but I mean, even they were still going about seven eight minute miles at this point. This is up and down hills, you know. So anyway, get to about the forty mile mark, and uh, the guy sees Van der Laan just takes off, and I was like, well, I'm not going with him. Hopefully, you'll bonk. The boy <laughs> Rob, he he he, uh, he keeps with me, and uh, we're just chatting away, and all of a sudden, like. We both get to about 40 miles and go, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Excuse my language, but I was like, I think I've pushed this on a little bit too much. And I was like, and the boy Rob, he, uh, he, he, he kind of uh, settled, settled behind me for a while and, and I got a bit of a gap on him. And then we get to the next checkpoint at mile 40 and Debbie's there with some, uh, some jet, uh, just I asked her if she can get me some gels because I ran out um, and there was like, each of the refreshment stations there was jelly babies but this refreshment station there was only jelly hearts and they were like they weren't as sugary they were quite hard to chew and I was like you don't got any jelly babies it's like no nah, I just jelly hearts I thought oh no I need jelly babies so there's we panicking over jelly babies and, and, then, and then it got worse so I, I was like ah oh, god I need my zero tablets I can't find them and I put them in my pouch and I, I couldn't fucking find them I was like where the hell are they so I'm kicking off at Debbie, going, "Did you pack my Did you pack my zero tablets?" And and she's like, "No, nah, no, nah, you packed them." And then your bag is like, "Well, can you check for me? Because it's quite awkward to take off." Uh, and she couldn't find them. But anyway, cut a long story short. The following day, I was taking everything out of my bag, and we were right in the front of my pouch for night for eighteen odd hours. Uh, no. So anyway. No, that wasn't the worst, really, I suppose. But after 40 miles, I really started to suffer. My legs started to suffer. I didn't bonk, though. I never bonked at all. Uh, I just couldn't get going. Um, my legs were stiffening up. Uh, and the seven-minute miles were no more, Tom. There were no more. I know. Uh, I know. No shit. Yeah. So we were just... My, my, to, my so, pa- 
on the on the on your pace. So we were a bit of context for you. So I jumped. You started about eight o'clock. At that time, I jumped on the bus with the Metro lads to head south to Broxburn. So we tracked you for the first like two hours, say, and you were clearly we thought nice. He's cooking on gas. Then did a day of cross country, got on the bus on the way back, which I think was about your 45, 50 miles, and that was when we could see, oh, it's starting to drop a wee bit. Yeah, so I, I got to 50 miles, Tom, and um, and 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 that seven seven minute miles, there was no hope in hell I was in the single digits per mile anymore, even in the downhills. Um, and I, I started, I, I was barely hitting 40 minute miles by this point. It was getting dark. Uh, and then I get to the refreshment station, the next refreshment station, and I'm sitting down, my head in my hands, going, "Oh, Debbie, this isn't this isn't going well. Like I'm I'm really suffering. Uh, you know, I'm, and it, there's there's me thinking, you know, I might I might still get a second window, uh, and I'll be back at the front. No, no, like even after the next refreshment break, you know, now the head torch was on, all fired up. I started running, and all I could see were these were these lights coming at me over the mirrors, and I thought, "Oh man!" And then, yeah, a couple of guys were like, "Keep going, dude! You're doing really well." And I'm just like, "Ah, oh, there's nothing worse than somebody saying you're doing really well and you're absolutely dying." So, were you walking at this stage? <laughs> I was kind of. It's difficult to explain. So I was trying to like, yeah, I was I was kind of walking hobbling uh but but later on I, I i started walking a little bit maybe about mile 60 and i was walking in from 50 but it got to the point that everything started seizing up uh my hip flexor was really sore but you know what i tried to do and I, I tried to you you know that if you make your arms go really really fast yes your, your legs should go fast too so I was moving my arms really, really fast, and my legs weren't doing anything. <laughs> it was like I looked like a oh, I just looked so stupid. Um, but then later on in the race, like it, it wasn't that sympathy. Oh, it it, it, it wasn't like ah, oh, keep going, you keep it going. By mile 60, 70, everyone was like feeling really sorry for me, you know, like oh mate, um. It's like, oh, you're, you're doing really well. How are you feeling? I hope you're feeling good. It's like, well, I'm feeling much better than you, mate. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh, dear. Oh, this isn't good. But anyway, it, it, it gets worse. Um, so I, my, my battery, because I was out for so long, uh, I mean, this by this point, mile 60, I was like, I've got 20-odd miles to go. <clears throat> now, assuming, assuming I maintain a 15-minute mile, I'm going to get, how long is that going to take me? It's like seven hours. <laughs> yeah. Seven hours to do twenty miles. Now the last uh, the last ten miles it was uh, that hours. was just agony. Ten, ten miles it was twenty minute miles. So. Oh. Yeah, it was uh, three and a bit hours. Three and a bit hours. Twenty six miles it took me. It took me nine hours to run a marathon. So oh. my coach Lewis messaged me on WhatsApp. And we've got a WhatsApp group, and he said, he said to, he said to Debbie, why? And I read it, but I didn't respond. Why hasn't he stopped yet? This is tragic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what you need from your coach. Good motivational uh, exactly. language. Exactly, but I mean, I think, I, I think De Debbie kind of told him, well, because I think he assumed that in order to get a UTMB spot, I had to get in the podium. 
Um, but I actually just had to complete it. But it got to the point um, that I was, you know, I was getting, I was getting messages saying, "Come on, you can do it," and you're one of them, dude. I think I messaged you back actually. You did, uh, yeah. Just keep keep going, and it was just a tale of survival. But all the messages I was getting, like, I, I mean, I had to put my my phone in airplane mode because it was <laughs> out for so bloody long. But uh, I, I occasionally put it on to four G or one G or whatever you got in the mirrors, and uh, and and got you know. Got some good encouraging messages, so that that was really nice. Um, but I think I think the I think the worst thing for me though was uh, was just the sheer the sheer time that I had to stay. You know, I had to keep running. It was like a car crash. Like I mean, my my suit, my head, like I said, my my head started running out of battery. My suit oh, decided to call it a day. So I only recorded 72 miles, weirdly enough. I don't, I don't know what happened there. But, so you didn't know um, how much further you had to go? Nah, nah. Oh, like, no. I, had a, I, had a, I had a rough idea, but I wasn't I wasn't 100% sure you know, how long I had to I had to go. But, oh, God, it was just so painful. Like, it, my hip, I, actually, I didn't know, I didn't think I was injured, but it was just like my hip flexor, my right hip flexor wasn't, Letting me walk properly and never mind run. Um, so yeah, it was just oh, no. I don't know, it's weird. The thing is, but, you, um, you obviously had the GPS tracker on, so which was great, so we could see mile by mile how fast you're moving. And I, I honestly, we went from so to you know to continue my story of watching you back on the bus, watching you. This is like up until six p.m. So you've been out all day, back in Aberdeen, still watching it. Me and Fee Saturday nights sat there up until about midnight watching a movie with the track on in front of us and I'm thinking god I've been down and back to Broxburn I've run across country I've come back I've had a full evening at home watched the movie and you're still out and the do- we went from being he's having a nightmare to then being genuinely concerned about your safety <laughs> Fiona's going oh poor Kyle he's been out he's going to be cold it's dark he's on his own you know he's got like and uh, yeah, like I was, I was getting to the stage thinking, I hope he's okay. You know, he's moving, <laughs> moving at like thirty minute miles by the stage. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. Almost, you're almost a hundred percent accurate there. The only thing that you're not was I wasn't alone at all. I was getting passed by grannies, <laughs> grandas, paraplegics, everyone. Honestly, everyone was going past me, uh, and I, and I was just like, this is embarrassing. You know, I bet if I told. <laughs> I, I bet if I told them I'm I'm uh, I'm the Scottish Ultra Trail champion, they would have pissed them. They would have probably been, I happy April Fools. Like oh, I, I just looked like a car crash. Like you know, it was, oh god. But I, you know what the best. Thing, what were you gonna say, Tom? I was gonna say I was actually following it at the moment when the um the sorry the female fifty leader came past you. <laughs> And I have to admit, I did laugh at that point. I thought, oh, he will not have enjoyed that. And she came from miles back. Like, for about an hour, I could see her coming at you. Just coming, right. moving towards you like a steam train. <laughs> and then straight past. She was surging past me, I tell you that. Oh, she, she she made me look like she was standing still. And this, I remember her going past, and it was actually up a hill. And she was walking, and I was walking. And she was, like, triple the speed I was going walking-wise. I was like... <laughs> Fucking hell! Kudos to you, lass. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was good. It was quite funny. I I caught by a guy, Bruce Taylor. Uh, so I, I wasn't even the, he was uh, he's a Geary road runner. Okay. Uh, so he was like, "Hey, Kyle, how you doing?" And I was like, "How the hell do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm in the middle of the dark, in the middle of a field." And uh, 
She's like, how you doing? And I was like, guy, you can't even see my face. I've got my hood up, my bandana on. Um, but I think he must have been looking at the tracker. So, uh, ah, Bruce, right. if, you, if you are listening, well, kudos to you for fantastic racing. Thanks for all the encouragement. Um, I think Bruce, we were... He put, he put an hour and a half into you. He, oh, did he? When, did he? when did he go past you? About five miles to go. <laughs> Oh dear! I, I just remember seeing Bruce at the cow field. So there's these cows, and I was like, "What the hell are they?" And I was like, "Is that?" Is, I was like freaking out. I was like, "What is that? Is that? Is that a runner? Is that?" And I was like, "Fuck, that's a cow." Um, but just I was getting all these weird, weird hallucinations, and I, I just decided I couldn't be asked eating anymore. I couldn't be asked drinking anymore. I was cold. I was like, I just need to zone out and 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 just get on with it. But do you know what? I tell you though, Tom, I had the bet, and I, no word of a lie, right? So I'm getting to the end of my my chat here. So the last the the last half a mile of the race. Now I might go back a little bit, but I think it's apt to to put this in now. I got chatted up <laughs> half a mile to go by a lady in her high heels coming back from a night out at 2 a.m. So she's walking on the road, and I'm looking on the left and I see this. Lady in her high heels, buzzing, going past me like a steam train. And I'm like, holy moly. And then she slows down. And I don't know what it's like in high heels, but I assume if you walk slow in high heels, it's quite awkward to, to stand up straight. So she's actually up, slowing down for me. It's like, hey, how are you doing? You okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just doing a... Uh, so we're in, we're in um, Filey by this point. I'm just doing an ultramarathon. And I was like, ah, oh, whoa, that's great. What's that? Uh, well, I've, I've just been running for 80, mile, 80 miles, and she's like, oh, my God, like 80 miles. Do, do you want to come back to mine for a shower, or I can put you up in a bed or something? And I was just like, is she chatting me up here? And then uh, she's like, don't, don't worry, I'm not hitting on you. I, I am married. I just feel really sorry for you. And uh, I, I was I just write. like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got kids and stuff. I was like, have you seen the state of me? And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I had my hood up and my band, you know, I, was, I looked like an absolute shambles and, and I'm walking like John Wayne. I've got this limp and I mean, she's not even limping with her high heels on. And ah, it was just like, ah, this this is great, you know. Um, but anyway, I refused her offer because I was almost at the finish line. and But she just wouldn't go away. And I was like, can you just piss off? I don't want to go back to yours. I don't want you to look after me like I'm a, a lost child in the dark. Uh, so, so anyway, I get... I get to the end almost, and uh, I get to the end of the run, and that's it. Boom, I finished. What time did I finish? 2 a.m. Oh, dear. Eight, I was start, started at 8 a.m., finished at 2 a.m. It's 18 hours of, I say running. It wasn't really running, though, was it? It was 40 miles of running, 40 miles of hobbling. Uh, so get to the end, and there was this spread of food sitting out, and I think it must have been out since 8 p.m., so it's been out for like six hours. And by that point, it's stale and cold, and, and so am I. I'm stale and cold. But then uh, I felt like an angel from heaven emerged herself from the kitchen. Uh, one of the volunteers offered me a large bowl of chili. I said, she's my saviour. And then oh, wow. until I realised, until I realised, the chili was fucking vegetarian. Oh, no, that's not what you want at that stage. I was just sorry, excuse my language. I, I, was, I was like, ah, oh, I need meat, I need protein. It was vegetarian chili. What's that gonna do? Um, that's what you get for doing an ultra marathon, mate. Yeah. Surely that's the norm. 
Probably, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was uh, bit, going back 5k to go. I went the wrong way, didn't I? So oh, I, no. my head torch was going off, so I switched the tor- head torch off. And uh, I was like, right, I'll go along here. Um, I don't know which way it is. So I went along the, the just at the bottom of the cliffs. And, I, and, I, and I sh- I'm sure I saw a runner in front of me. I say a runner, a walker like me. I, in fact, I think he was running, but he was just going miles faster than I was. Um, and uh, and I was like, I, I was like, I follow, I follow that person. And I was like, oh, this isn't the right way. And I think somebody did mention on on Facebook that uh, I did go the wrong way. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I and I got to this trail and I had to climb this massive cliff. And the the incline was horrendous. I was like, oh man. So I get to the top and then I get to the checkpoint. A mile to go by the ch- checkpoint. You have to do an about turn and go back the way again. So it's brutal. So you've got two miles to go, and you have to um, go past the finish, you go past your start line, basically, and then you've got to go out for two more miles. Uh, so that last mile was like 25 minutes to get back. It was just, an, uh, it was just a sh- oh, shambolic. Uh, but anyway, I got to the end, didn't I? So, so that was that. So Points in the bag. Co- Points in the bag, exactly. Take home message, happy I completed it, uh, but went into it thinking I was probably able to still run fast. Had the ultra fitness from early in the year, but Tom, I got the point. I got the point. That's what you're there for. I've got a couple of questions. Question one. Now, this is probably the, this this is maybe quite harsh, I'm going to ask it anyway. So you were in second place at one point. You finished in 37th place. That I mean, that must have been mentally brutal to have all these just exhaling a train of people coming past you. I mean, that must that must have made it worse. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't even the first Kyle in the race. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I mean, how demoralising is that? Like, I, I, it, do you know? It, it wasn't actually. You were beaten I by think... a, you were beaten by a sixty-year-old man as well. <sighs> I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. I mean, I, I actually, I, I'm not. It's not even like I'm not even that embarrassed. I just, I, I'm actually. I think if I think if I came fourth, I would be disappointed. But because I came, I, I, I completely blew up. Uh, I didn't bonk. I just didn't have the condition. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's really. It, it just, it, it just kind of hits home. That these races, you really, if if you want to compete at the top level, regardless of you know what what ability you are, and not even not even the top level, just completing it and doing really well, you have to train, you have to like oh, yeah. pace yourself. And I reckon if I did pace it a little bit easier at the start, I would have managed to run it all. But I mean, I could have went off at nine minute miles, and I would have been probably all right. You know, I might not have won the race, but I would have been certainly well up there and a lot more fresh than than i was because i you know i've paced it well but so that's um, my sec- that's, but, that was my second question was your average pace is like yeah what was it a 15 minute mile so if you did go out slower say you'd gone out four or five minutes slower a mile 10 11 minute miles something like that do you think you would have you would have been in much better condition at the end or do you think the distance just found you out because by your own admission you had you ran 26 miles twice a couple of week about a month ago but Apart from that, this is a different, this different level that you're at now in terms of distance. Yeah, I think so, Tom. Um, 
Right, well, two two things with that. I mean, I never again. We had that running rant about training, not training <laughs> for races. But like, I mean, if I was, I I, I didn't well, I didn't know I was going to do this until three or four weeks ago, and and even then I was like, I'm still recovering from the marathon, and I, I'm not really wanting to train. I'm not wanting to win the race. I just want to finish it and get the point. Um, so so there's an element of of. Uh, of being probably being a little bit cocky and thinking, ah, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll manage eighty mile, eighty one miles, no problem. And even if I do uh, go 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 really easy, uh, or even if I go maybe even a little bit quicker, I might I might still be okay. But probably the the, the hard point for me was trying to race it, but not being trained for it. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. If I I think if I did go off a couple of minutes slower, I, I think I would have been okay. But I think I would have still struggled to do it. Um, so going into the UTMB next year, I'm going to have to do a hell of a lot of training. I'm going to have to do a hell of a lot of elevation. I'm going to have to like really knuckle down and get the mileage in, but not just the mileage, get the the vertical in as well. Uh, so luckily where where we stay, there's heaps of hills that you can run them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think like yeah, and you know you. If you're at the if you're at the end of the if you're at the back of the race or if you're at the front of the race, it doesn't really matter. You still have to do the the conditioning. You still have to do the training and um and if you don't, you're gonna get found out. I mean, get put it in perspective, Tom. I was getting I got to sixty miles right, and the balloon ladies were going faster than me. <laughs> the balloon ladies are the the back markers. I think in Run Disney they call them the balloon ladies. And uh, okay. and 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 they were, you know, I'm going slower than the cutoff time. So <laughs> for oh, twenty yeah. miles, so so you if you think about that, I think I mean okay, I wasn't going that slow at the start, but I mean that's that's hellish to think that, isn't it? You know, a, a, a Scottish champion apparently. But it just shows not, them, not going not it, going not going faster than the the cutoff time. You know, it, it shows the importance. You know, that distance fitness is one thing, but it's as you, you hit the nail on your head yourself conditioning you know that it wasn't like you were you weren't your heart rate wasn't 180 beats your legs were just trashed and you couldn't you know you couldn't you couldn't move them faster yeah like my heart rate didn't probably didn't go any higher than 160 throughout the whole race uh i, I mean i was able to talk the whole way around the race it was it wasn't like a bonk like i mentioned just had nothing in the tank in terms of uh in terms of you know, muscle power, or, or, you know, my muscles just were so stiff, so tight, just started, they weren't even cramping, they were just, ah, weird, weird, weird uh, feeling, I, I mean, I've felt it before, but in ultras, but not, 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 not for 40 odd miles, I haven't. Brutal, and my third and final <laughs> question is, so, you're out for 18 hours, or whatever it was, what are you eating? I mean, what, what, and how often are you eating? Because you talked a bit about gels and jelly babies and jelly hearts, whatever they are. But really, that is that all you're eating? I mean, it's, that's such a long time. If someone said, as I said, I got up at eight, I got up at say like half seven, got on the metro bus at eight. If someone said to me from eight till when I went to bed at just after midnight and you were still out, someone had said in that whole time, you're on jelly babies and gels. I mean, that's crazy. That's brutal, eh? Yeah, you're right. I think going going in it before I was like, I don't want to be having gels because I don't really want to have that that feeling of oh I've had so much sugar in this race because I, I was you know in a way I was going to treat this as a a completion race but 
the fact that I tried to race it in the first 40 miles, so it, it changed the way that I treated my nutrition. Um, I think if I went off at 10, 11 minute miles, I would have afforded to to eat well. I would have been able to eat solid food and stuff. But because I was going a little bit faster, I was like taking on gels, taking on jelly babies. And that was about it, really. Um, I, I, I did get to the 40 mile point and I had a, I had a coffee in, in the, the next kind of aid station and a sausage roll and some cookies and stuff. But uh, it was all kind of sugar based. It, it wasn't really any protein or, or fat really it was it was just all all sugar because it's kind of what you need for that for that period of time regardless of the you know regardless of intensity uh, i mean i was going pretty low intensity in terms of in, in terms of pace but uh you know the expenditure throughout a long period of time that's it's going to take a take a lot out of your your glycogen uh in your muscles in your liver and even even in your brain as well you know it's you need to be fueling your your, your brain uh so you know not not being able to eat throughout that time not eating throughout that time is going to cause you some uh navigational issues so to speak and actually on that point so another i said that was my last question it's not so you're navigating yourself is the course how well marked is the course and are you or are you relying on map reading and does that slow you down so yeah one of the compulsory gears uh is is a map an os map or a world's way map so it is on a world's way so there's actually a world's way sign so any of the kind of crossroads or a, a distinguished junction they'll probably there'll be like a wooden post that says the world's way on it okay. um but equally i had a gpx file in my Sunto, so i could up, i uploaded the world's way onto that but again oh, like i mentioned i mean after you know i was out for 19 18 hours my Sunto only lasts about 14 hours so, so I put on a standby mode, power mode, and I think that's what skewed up the the GPS signal. Um, but I was still able to like press the button to see if I was going off course. So I think there was another point that I did go off course. I went through a field, and I, I assumed that I was parallel to the to the path to the trail. But I actually thought I was on it. I just thought it was maybe an issue with the the, the satellite. But I ended up. I ended up finding my way back on the trail, but I tell you, it's a lifesaver having, you know, a GPS, a GPS file mm. on your watch because you can, you, if it, if you do go off course, it'll tell you that you've gone off course as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's it's really good to to do because I mean, you don't want to be faffing around with a map, but equally, if you're in the, you know, the hills that happen up in the Cairngorms or something, you're playing about with a a GPS watch or something, a GPS watch. And that's all you're doing, and you haven't got a map, because I mean the the watch doesn't show you any of the features on the mountain; it just shows you the route. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure some watches will sh- give you like a proper map, you know, but you can't just rely on 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 uh, battery powered uh, devices. You you should really be having a map and a compass um, for something like this. But luckily, I mean, it was fairly well marked on. You know, it was it was pretty pretty good. Uh, but but yeah, I think that, did I answer your question? I don't I think, know if yeah, I did. did, did I? You, no, you did. So yes, you, there is. It's a kind of well marked, but there is an element of navigation. And to be honest, looking at the on the GPS tra- GPS tracker, you can see everyone all these dots in a line, and the number of people who are way off route was crazy. There was a couple of guys like they were running down a motorway at one point. There was like two oh, guys together. No. <laughs> but ironically, that motor that road ran all the way to 
to Filey. So we were looking at them, and they were just like they were just running on the road. They decided just to follow the road all the way back. Uh, that was about 60, 70 miles in. And early on, there was a couple of guys who went the wrong way, and they had to come back quite a long way to get there. So, um, yeah, no, very interesting. So, what an ordeal you've had. Oh yeah, oh it's it was it's probably the, it's the, one of the toughest races I've ever done. Um, in terms of just pure resilience to get to the end. Um, and like, I think Debbie was like, did you, she asked me, did, did you ever, did you ever think that you were going to pull out? And I was like, nah, no, hundred percent. No way. <laughs> Firstly, she wouldn't give me a lift back anyway. She wouldn't pick me up because I've just wasted her weekend. She's actually having to stay up at until 2am uh, to wait for me. And she's getting tired. She's driving about looking looking at the state of me trying worried about me and 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 secondly i don't want to spend another weekend and another <laughs> race yet. entry fee and a petrol going down to another 80 odd 100 mile race to get the five points i need for next year ha huh, no way like uh, i mean if i pulled out there i just uh, i would just it would, i would do myself an, an injustice um mm. but I, like i think i learned so many lessons from that and i think if anyone has disappointing races, always think about the, 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 the benefits of having a disappointing race. I've learned so much uh, after that, that, that car crash. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm excited for actually training for the UTMB now that I, uh, now that I know what, what my, what my weaknesses are. Um, now, if I never did that, I might not have, I might've got the UTMB and thinking, ah, oh, yeah, I'll do 80 miles and I'll do like, a, a, a moderate level of elevation and but now i know like i need to be going up those hills down them fast up them down them for a few you know two or three hours and building it up and mm-hmm. uh getting some conditioning back um making sure that i'm training with with some weight as well making sure that i'm training with my race pack as well making sure that i know exactly where all my my kit is and in, in the race i'm not mm-hmm. fumbling about looking for fuel i know exactly where it is so so many lessons that I've learned from that. Also, like in terms of like head torches and you know making sure that you're carrying enough batteries, uh, knowing how long that your torch is going to last, uh, knowing how your watch is going to work, just you know just knowing what pace to run at now. All these things. There's so many things that I've learned, like just in one race. And I've done tragic. You know, it was a tra- tragedy in terms of my, my placing, but. Uh, but but it's gonna definitely gonna be a winner in the in the next season of of racing I think, so yeah there you go. Very good and that's uh yeah well we, it's gonna be great. Well, hopefully we'll document your progress to the UTMB over the next six or seven months or whatever. Nine months actually it will be till then. So awesome. Yeah yeah it'll be exciting. Hopefully guys I'm sure. Hopefully a better hopefully a better result. <laughs> a better Maybe experience. The shit. Oh yeah, I I think so. Maybe the same pace because I mean there's a hell of a lot more elevation, but yeah, yeah, something something to look forward to, eh? But I mean, I must say that I, I mean I haven't actually got my confirmation. I've now got the 15 points. I've now got enough uh, uh, world ranking points to to get an elite entry. So I've, luckily I, I'm fortunate enough to avoid the ballot, but uh, I still have to pay for the entry. But I think. You know, reading reading the the website, I think I am, uh, I, you know, I have got the the criteria to, to to get into the race. I tell you what, Tom, imagine if and you know, I ne- that that there was some there was an issue, a technicality, and I never got in. 
Oh, oh God, that would be or, horrendous. Or, or imagine they look at they go, okay, this guy's got the points. They look at his result at Hardman and go, elite. <laughs> nah, <laughs> John, <Jog on. laughs> you're the ballot, mate. One of the the, the top two guys was it? No, it was Rob. The guy Rob. He was like, ah, oh, because we were talking about like ITRA points, and I was saying that I've got. Uh, he asked me how many ITRA points I had, and I, I was like 804 or something. He was like, oh, mate, in his English accent, mate, if uh, if you if because you're racing, it means that my ITRA points will go up. So uh, so I was doing himself a. a, a I was doing himself a favour, but then so I was doing a, I was doing himself a favour, doing the other thirty-seven people a favour as well by uh, uh-huh. by them beating me. So their points will hopefully shoot up as well. So doing 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 a good service, Tom. You're you're a good man, very good man. Exactly. Right. Anyway, enough about me. I've rambled on for about an hour. Um, Tom, I hear you got uh, you were the swamp monster in the weekend. Were you at the East District Cross Countries in in Broxburn? Yeah, so a wee bit shorter than you. I was, what was I, your, to your 80 miles, I was doing 8K. So it was a, a little bit shorter. <laughs> it was the second of the this year's East League cross-country fixtures, and that was in Broxburn. So I went down all riding on the Metro bus, which was good. We had a squad of 16 of us went down. Good crack. And yeah, it was had a, it was exact, to be honest, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was going to be, it was a rust buster, a real... <laughs> a real rude awakening after the the last four weeks of just being on cloud nine with my marathon. It's uh, it was it was tough, really tough. And you know, cross country, you just it's hard. It's just hard. And I went out and I sort of I don't know half a lap in, I, I felt like I'd started. I was starting to work. And then I one one issue I had was there, there's a hard path along sort of I don't know the first and last, well maybe the first kilometers here of the run if that and uh i had 15 mil spikes on that's all i had i just pulled them off the shelf on friday screwed them in and the spikes got totally bent after about a lap and so after that i i was just on my arse it was all it was it was a, <laughs> it was a slippy day so everyone was falling so it's not a differentiator everyone was having the same issue but there was like the first lap took a wee skite second lap tumble third lap two two sort of slips and falls and just it was just it just the first few you take a fall and you get back up and you fire up to go again. On the last lap, I was just like, Jesus, this is just a shambles. And my legs, I was honestly coming up the last sort of the last climb. Like you know, people there were a couple of guys going past me and I could see the kind of the guys I was racing at Great Scottish and all these races were long gone. And I was just oh, like, I know. Oh, just a real, real thud back down to earth but you know i'm glad i went down it was a good crack good to run with the boys it's good to stretch the, the cross-country legs but i think uh it's a reminder that that the holiday's over marathon is the marathon is well and truly in the past now i need to get back down to doing some hard work for for the sort of the rest of the winter um but we had a good we had a good turnout we had a big shout out to our uh regular on the show at ben ward run beer who had a great run uh to lead the metro home he was top 20 we had uh, Chris Richardson had a really good run. Um, we had a couple of the vets had strong runs. So for us, it was a good turnout, and we'll talk about the results shortly. But um, yeah, it was a good, uh, a good and well attended East League as they always are. Brilliant. I, I see. What you, I mean, I think you're doing yourself an injustice, Tom. I mean, it's it's a, it's good. I think it's fantastic that you're back in the cross country scene and you're managing to just test yourself a little, a little bit. 
you've got to test the water first before you, exactly. you know really where you are. I mean, you, you ha- you, you've been doing a bit of running, but you haven't been doing anything specific. It's so difficult to come from a matter, you know, really putting all your eggs in one basket for the marathon and then going, oh, actually, I'm going to have to do cross-country now, right? I'm going to do this cross-country and I'm going to do it well. You, you, you know, you need to have some downtime. And we're, you know, we're, we're busy guys. We've got full-time jobs. We, we don't want to just jump back into training. You, you you want to enjoy the couple of weeks of just lazing about, you know, exactly. socialising and stuff. So I, I think you, you don't want to be too hard on yourself at the same time. But equally, yeah, a few more weeks of training, you'll be... A few, a few more sessions of training even you'll be you'll be hitting it again it was it was was everything i thought it would be hard workout you know so it was good it did the job yeah and the guys did pretty well as i think we were a seventh senior team and second veteran team is that right we were yeah so so good uh good result there it was uh you know we're it's well i'm pleased that we're now metro avenue we go down and we you know we mix it up a bit you know we're not just making up the numbers which is which is good so so yeah, decent decent race. But you know, we we've, we've talked about it a lot the last few weeks. It's good to get back into the cross country scene because it's that's you know, you stand at the start line now, that's club running. It's you know, it's all the it's just raw club racing. Everyone is out there from you know, Central, Edinburgh, Dundee, you know, obviously the Aberdeen boys from AC were out as well. So it's good. Really enjoyed it. And uh I feel like that's my winter kicked off now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well I mean next, what two weeks time you've got the uh, you've got the Santa, Aberdeen Santa run. Sure, is yeah. that what? I'm count me in. The East East. No, it's not that. That wasn't the main event. It's East District Cross Country Championships Absolutely. in Aberdeen and Balgany. Indeed. And then, so there, there you go. That that'll be that'll be your uh, comeback. I'm I'm sure. So, yeah. uh, so the, the the event. I mean, the I say the event. The race in Broxburn. Was it Michael Christopher who who won it? It was. Yeah. Medbracey. Indeed. Yeah. 2759, uh, Sasha Chetlin, um, Edinburgh Uni here in Hounds, 28-28. So I know his brother Oleg, I used to race him in the hill running season, so it's good to see him uh, really, really getting faster yeah. and faster. Great I noticed he did, the, he did the Hazelhead Park run in sub-60 minutes and wow. on trail, and it's fairly uphill, so he's, he's flying at the moment. So keep it up, Sasha. Good running, man. Uh, Jonathan, is it? Jonathan Crickmore from yes. HBT, 28-49. And we had, yeah, top three teams, Edinburgh Uni here in Hounds, Aberdeen AC, and Edinburgh AC as well. So there you go. When we talk about, women, just, just to stay on, on the men's results for one second, one, well, two sort of things that really jump out at me, the two of the juniors in the top six. So um, I think it's Ewan Narbit, uh, Edinburgh Uni here in Hounds, and... A local lad here, Tyler White, Aberdeen AC. He's a talent, Tyler. I mean, that's he's been running well over 4K, and I, you know, I have to admit, I'd said to some of the guys here, I'll be interested in to see how he goes in the longer distance. But clearly, he's got it. You know, to mix, to mix it up there, and he was the first Aberdeen count there. So fair play to him as a junior. Watch, watch out, Tyler White. And he's an under 20. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm sure in in, in the national cross country championships under 20, he'll be a a force to be reckoned with. I'm sure in February time. Indeed. So that, that'll be exciting. So in the senior women's field, we had Jill Stephen from HBT. She's a a really talented hill runner as well. Of um, ran ran the, the Scottish team of her and a really nice last. 
from from up north as well. So shout out to Jill. Uh, so she ran the East League in 21:58, and uh, oh, M Crawford, who's Megan, that again? Megan. Megan, Crawford. sorry, Megan. I'm sure she's not listening, mind you. From 5:22:08, and uh, L Robertson, Lindsay Robertson, is that right? Lucy, Lisa. Pass. Sorry, L. Whoever you are, sorry, you, you HBT 22:11. So fairly tight in the the ladies there. So HBT ran it. Fife AC second and Edinburgh Uni here in Hines in third. So so that was that from the senior ladies. Very good. Uh, so on a cross country sort of theme this weekend, we also had the Renfrewshire cross country champs, which gosh I think we're celebrating that over the weekend. That was the the return of Derek Hawkins to cross country racing. So it's good to see him. We saw him in action at Leeds at the 10k at Leeds Abbey Dash. So he's uh, Derek's obviously getting back in. Back in cross-country action there. Derek Hawkins for the win. Uh, Kabarkin, obviously. Ross Gray, Inverclyde in second place. And Stephen Trainer, uh, Green at Glen Park in third place. The North District League, so that was up uh, in third. So I did mention this is a... Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a cold place to go in the, the, the dark nights, uh, in the dark winter nights. But uh, they were home to the... I think it was the third, fourth cross-country league... So on the senior women's side, we had Kirstie Rogan, who was first, and from my Roadrunners, and also from my Roadrunners, Grace Whelan, uh, who was second, and third was Amy Hudson from Inverness, uh, Inverness Harriers as well. So that was the senior women. The senior men's race, we had a, 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 a Mr. Gollan affair. Um, I didn't realise Ross Gollan's got so many brothers. He's got... a uh, it's he Ross Gollan actually won the race um, in 33:30 from East Sutherland Athletics Club. John Newsom from Inverness second in 34:03, and third was a guest runner. I don't know where he's from. Steve Day, uh, who was he came third in 34:52. Now uh, Ross Ross was first. His brother was seventh. Uh, Owen Gollan and. Uh, also, he had Ruri Gollan, who who was in the race, and his his mum was also fourth in the um, in the senior women's race. So it's a it's a Gollan affair up there, I say. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, yeah. So that's the North District League. To finish on cross country, we mentioned briefly last week it was the British Cross Challenge in Liverpool on the weekend, which also featured the Euro, well, acted as the Euro Trials. So. Uh, in there, just to give some Scottish results there. So the, there was a, we mentioned a strong Scottish team going down on the men's side. Adam Craig in 13th. We had Andy Douglas in 22nd, Lachlan Oates in 47th, and Jacob Adkin in 50th. We also had some juniors running. We don't usually do this, so just but just to shout them out. So under 20s, Cameron Wright uh, in eighth place, Freddie Carcass in ninth, and Joe Arthur in 12th. And we also had on the women's side, Mary McLennan in a really impressive ninth place. Steph Pennycook in an equally impressive 13th place. And Morag Miller uh, not far behind, to be honest, in 22nd. So really strong results there. What's really cool is on the under-20 women, we had Anna McFadden, Forrest, in fifth. So she's going to the Euros. So fantastic. Well done, Anna. That's really exciting. And uh, Kerry McCangus in 13th and Zoe Flug in 20th. Just to, before we leave that, 
on the club side, what's really impressive is Fife AC have uh, have qualified for the European Club Championships. Apparently, they were. I noticed. I first noticed ladies that. team. Yeah, amazing. Exactly. That's, that's ace. That's really good. So that that rounds off uh, Stephanie Pennycook, Helen Sharp, Jennifer Spence, and Jennifer Cookshank. So yeah, really, really good. To, I think that's the first club that's qualified. Uh, I think Central AC qualified a, a few years ago. Um, so yeah, I think it's maybe the first women's club that's qualified in Scotland. So that's that's really exciting, um, and I'm absolutely buzzing for Anna as well, McFadden for uh, for for getting that BB spot and get you know getting her ticket to the European Cross Country Championships in Holland next month as well. So really exciting to see Anna um, step it up again uh, in under 20 field. Also for Maya McLennan, you know she was ninth in the race. I mean. She's not that far off, you know, a senior women's GB spot. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure she'll be um, happy with the result, but a little bit disappointed not to, to make the team. But um, I'm sure she wasn't a million miles away from the, the top six anyway. So, yeah, really, really good results from the Scottish there. So congratulations, everyone. Fantastic. So what else have we got race-wise? Race-wise? Uh, I think that's it, really. Um I was looking cross country wise. It's all all about the cross country, really. I mean, all about the uh, cross country. That's all about right. the cross country. I mean, there was a, there was a couple of you know odds and ends in terms of races, but have a look on the the, the website uh, Scottish Athletics, Run ABC, also how's the results. So, but in terms of other news, we we did have um, Elish. Uh, she was doing a ten k. And I think she, I don't know, it was down in England somewhere. I haven't got the, the, it the was article the, it out. Was, uh, was it at Wilmslow? Wilmslow. Wilmslow Festive 10K, that's right. I know that because it's near where Fiona's uh, parents now live. So, yeah, I'm aware of where Wilmslow is. Uh, well, there you go. So, other, other than that, Tom, um, we like like we mentioned, we, we do have a really exciting interview with, with Robbie Simpson, who is the bronze marathon Commonwealth Games medalist. So... Uh, he's a talented guy, uh, one of the best mountain runners out there in the world at the moment, and one of um, GB's top marathon runners and distance runners. So, uh, Tom, you interviewed Robbie this week, so take it away. I did, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you've set it up perfectly there. Robbie's, uh, you know, one of the best runners in Scotland. For me, for us, pound for pound doesn't matter whether you're talking mountain, road, or whatever. So, you know, and. Yeah, we just spent a bit of time talking through because he's got a fascinating career. When you go back and look at how he's come through mountain running and onto roads and his marathon, and it's a really interesting uh, background. So, so uh, I'm sure our listeners are, are aware aware of where he is. But we were chuffed a bit to get Fa- Simpson on the show. So here we go, Robbie Simpson, part one. I'm delighted to be joined uh, today by. Northeast athlete and Scotland athlete and Commonwealth Games bronze medalist Robbie Simpson. So hello, Robbie. Hi, and thanks for getting me on the show. Uh, you know, it's uh, I've been hoping I'd get asked at some <laughs> point, so it's nice to finally make it um, alongside a lot of good athletes I've uh, already listened to on the show. We've had you on the top of the list for a long time, and a lot of people have been have been clamouring after uh, to, for us to get you on. So it's brilliant to 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 get you on, especially. This year of all years, you know, Clay Kyle's known known you for a while. I've gotten to know you this year, and it's it's been uh, particularly this year, the year you've had. But before we get to the you know the, the the news everyone wants to hear about, and you know talking about the Commonwealth, 
Give us a bit of a background about you and, and your entry into athletics back in back in the day. Um, well, it's yeah, a lot of it's ancient history now. Um, <laughs> it was yeah, going back a lot of years when I was about maybe 11, 12 years old. You know, I started um, running by actually at Balmoral and also a fun one that my school organised. Um, <clears throat> so I was in the local running club too because one of my friends was a member there, and I was. I went along, you know, just for a bit of fun, and I was last in basically every single <laughs> event and discipline. Um, but you know, it was still good fun. And then I went to Balmoral, and I did this uh, sort of local fun run, you know, at the school, and I did okay on the longer distances. You know, I could keep running a long time, whereas everybody else would just tire out. So then I thought, oh, you know, I quite like this. Um, you know, I like the feeling of just sort of pushing, pushing the pace and trying to run through the pain. You know, when everyone else slowed down. And then from there, I, I think I had one good result, I think, which just changed everything. Like, um, I, I think someone in our team, I was in Bankery Stone Haven Athletics Club, and mm-hmm. like, I didn't do any of the competitions for the club because I wasn't good enough, but I think <laughs> someone couldn't manage um, to run the 800 metres one time. So I got subbed in um, because my friend said, oh, you know, he's not too bad in the longer stuff. And I ran okay. So then after that, I, you know, I got a place on the team and then started competing in the sort of local track league. And then it just went, yeah, from there it went on, you know, very, very quickly. I was doing cross country um, that autumn, so that was in the summer. And then by the sort of November, December, I was running in like the East Champs, and I think I was maybe fifth or something, you know, as an under 13. Yeah. Um, in my first sort of big race. And, you know, I just really enjoyed it right from the start. So then it was a long, sort of gradual process of getting slightly quicker every few years and then. You know, having some bad races along the way and sort of learning. And then eventually, you know, I got into hill running and I did that for quite a lot of years. Really enjoyed that. And then more recently, I switched to road, you know, just to have a go at that as well. And, um, you know, trying marathons and things. And, yeah, so I've done a lot over the years. Absolutely. And, I mean, Bankery Stonehaven then. So that's a club a lot of listeners may not be so familiar with. A lot of us are used to seeing you in a D-side vest more often recently. Bankery Stonehaven, is that quite a small club based in Bankery? Um, yeah, so there's a Bankery section and also a Stonehaven section. And it's it's more of a junior club. But, uh, okay. yes, I don't know exactly how many members, but like when I was young, basically everyone who was running around there in my age was in the club. Um, so there was a lot of people up till about under-17s. And then after that, you know, once people go to uni and stuff, generally there's not so many many people but it's it's also a really successful club um so apart from myself having been there like the likes of you know Catherine Christie um he was a really good sprinter Alicia Reese, um, mm-hmm. also one of Scotland's best sprinters and then um Rowan Auckland as well who's a real talent the, one of the cross-country you know European I think under 20s a couple mm-hmm. of years ago yeah so uh, there's a lot of good talent there and um yeah and a good sort of team atmosphere and um, so I enjoyed that um, but it was only later I, I moved to Deeside, um, just because it, you know, there weren't really, any, wasn't really anyone in my age group um, still at the club, and then I was wanting to get into more sort of hill races and things. So um, Deeside was was a natural choice. So, <laughs> so yeah. Never look back. And the thing is, when we look at when I look through your power ten, what's amazing is uh, a sort of under fifteen, under seventeen level. I mean, your the results have got you, uh, you know, winning in podium and races, and they're. They're not just junior race. I mean, we've got the Balmoral Conical Phillips 5K 2007, so 11 years ago as an under-17, second place. Um, I'm not actually sure uh, who managed to beat you on that day. I know Kyle has got some... Miles. Was it Miles? Okay. It yeah. was Miles, yeah. 
And it was tight as well. Ten seconds in yeah, it. Ten seconds. I remember that. <laughs> and uh, and you've got and then you know we've got uh, yeah some track meets where you're, where you're we're doing well. So yeah, I really I mean that must have been quite exciting at that age to go straight into races with you know seniors and be mixing it with them. Yeah, I mean, I always push myself, I think, to do longer races and try and race against the older guys because, to be quite honest, like, I, I knew I was no good at, like, 800 and 1500. And, um, like, in the cross-country, when we were running slightly longer distances, it would just suit me a lot better. So I just couldn't wait to run further, basically. So uh, <laughs> I took every opportunity I could, you know, to run uh, longer races, even if I was the youngest one. And it's been like that a lot of my career, you know. As soon as I got to... Sort of 16, I was doing longer races, and then I wanted to run a lot of longer hill races, but you had to be 18. So oh. some of them, you know, I could occasionally run without a number, or if I knew the race organizer, you know, I could get away with running it. But then, <laughs> you know, if I got found out, then it was a bit of a risk and everything. So that was quite frustrating. And then, you know, once I turned 18, that was fine, and I was doing quite long races from a young age. And then, you know, now I've just got old, so I can basically do anything, <laughs> and it's, and it's fine. <laughs> 2008 looks to be quite a big year in terms of suddenly you there's loads of loads of results coming through and you know when I look at some of the results some quite big results I mean fourth at the British and Irish Junior Hill Running Champs in 2008 as an under 17 um, winning the Junior Home Countries Selection Fell Race in Edinburgh I mean that did you see did you really start to feel like you were you were breaking through at that point and making you know and and competing at a high level um yeah I mean <laughs> amazing that you managed to see that just from the results i mean it was my the last sort of year i was at school and um basically in the summer i'd done loads of these hill races and you know things had gone so well and i'd I basically I'd trained as hard as i could in the summer then i went to the I qualified for the world mountain running trophy um the last year it was still a scotland team mm-hmm. and it was in switzerland and i went over there thinking i was you know in awesome shape and i'd done all this training and I was something like, you know, 45th or 48th or something. <laughs> I've got 42nd. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that result, I got that result and I just thought, whoa, like, you know, I'm nowhere near like the best people. I need to start training properly and taking this more seriously. But I had such a good time um, at the race in that weekend. And then I came back to, to school and I remember like I'd never, ever missed any homework, you know, in the whole my whole school career, like, never missed anything, never late. And then I hadn't done it, you know, this homework, because it was the weekend I'd been away at the race. And then I'm, the teacher was like, oh, where's your homework? And I thought, you know what, I'm actually leaving. I'm, I'm not, you know, that's me finished with school. Like that, I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. And then they said, oh, you can't say that, you know, every time you don't hand your homework in. And then <laughs> I said, well, I won't, I'm just leaving. And then I just left school and then I went for a run. And um, then after that, you know, I was kind of focused on trying to trying to get fit, you know. And how did and how did training look at that? I mean, at that age, running hill races and you know, and you're talking about world mountain running trophy events overseas. How did training look for you at that age, as a as someone who's obviously at school most of the time until uh, until that sort of uh, time? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty pathetic, I think, looking back on it. I mean, I did what I could. I, I tried to run, I would say, five days a week, probably at that age. You know, just. Um, in my last year of school and you know, probably up to about 10 miles being the longest run um, but I don't know how many miles I was doing a week say about 40 or something um, maybe 50 you know by the end of that year when I started pushing things but there was not really much in the way of structured sessions I would just um, I'd go out the door and I'd run as hard as I could basically 
and uh, <laughs> you know I did that for quite a few years, and obviously that's why I was I had mixed results. Some races went well, and some didn't because like I do longer runs a bit easier, you know, some of the time. But generally, if the run was less than about five miles, I would just you know go flat out from the door, <laughs> no warm up, nothing, just shoes on, sprint, and then. Um, you know, then I, as I started doing more, then obviously I mixed things up. But I didn't really have any structured sessions. And, um, you know, I'd run up the local hill, you know, Sculpey Hill, a couple of times um, during the week and try and run up a bigger hill the weekend if I could. But that was about it. You know, I didn't know anything about really sort of interval sessions and, and long runs and all this. So. And were you coached at that age or were you just, it was just off whatever you fancied? Um, well, there's a really good coach in Bantry, actually, um, Willie Russell. Uh, no, he was he's a really, really good coach, um, but he's mostly sprinters, you know, and sort of uh, track guys he was coaching. So he did coach me when I was at the club in terms of, like, technique and, you know, running form and stuff. But when I started getting into hill running, I just honestly had no idea how to train for it. And then I didn't know anyone else to talk to, so I just went out and kind of ran, you know, and, and that was it. But then when I joined D-Side Runners, you know, then I started doing more structured sessions with them, um, intervals and things, and you know, learning a bit about you know hill reps and stuff. But I was still you know self-coached. Still, I was about I think 21 maybe. Okay. Um, right about there. Uh, another result that jumps out in 2008 is you were um, you ran at the inter districts in um, in Edinburgh. And oh, did I? Oh. I, can't, I can't actually tell. I can't tell if that was a junior one or not, but. Clearly, obviously, mixing. It looks like you're mixing cross country. You're cross country, and there are a lot of a lot of hill races, a lot of local hill wins. I mean, which is which is really impressive at, at that age. And then moving into into 2009, suddenly things look to step up as another 20. You've got, you, from what I can see, first appearance at the World Mountain Running Champs in Modesimo, Italy. Oh yeah, that was when it changed to the. So the year before was the World Trophy, you know, running for Scotland, and then in 2009 it became a GB team, okay. and it became a World Championship. So suddenly I was going from the year before being, oh, you know, I was about the fourth Scottish counter. Oh no, I think I overtook Matt Gillespie on the last hundred metres because <laughs> he had to stop and be sick. And right. then the following year, like we had three Scots on the GB team, and I was, I can't remember if I won the trial, but I was definitely, you know, um, one of the stronger ones. And then we actually got a team medal at that uh, oh, wow. championships, um, just the three Scots uh, counting for the team, um, which actually led to us getting an official warning from <laughs> British Athletics because we held up a Scotland flag on the podium. <laughs> uh, it didn't go down too well, but uh, yeah, so that was a good that that result was really good for me, you know, that uh, World Championships and um, and generally that year, you know, things started to take shape and. And who was the who were who were the other Scottish counters then? So Matt was one of the other three, was he? Uh, no, so Matt was there the previous year, uh, okay. but not in 2009. So it was Scott McDonald, myself, and Alex Hendry. Okay, oh, um, Alex Hendry, okay. Yeah, so those two guys were from Central, and um, yeah, we had. I think we were all quite close together actually. Um, there wasn't much between the three of us, and um, I think it was about 17th or something. Okay. Um, so it was a lot better than the previous year, and um, just generally a good result. Although obviously I wasn't that happy, you know, with it, but yeah, you know, at the time. I know, I know, we're British athletics with your with your antics with the the Scotland flag. It's boding well for the breakaway, though. That's obviously what was what was uh, what was in your mind. But I mean, that's I yeah, mean, well, yeah, eighteenth though. That's a hell of a position looking at the results. I was at eighteenth. Yeah, yeah. I was happy with it. I mean, the course, like it was high altitude, and um, I'd actually really badly injured my ankle a couple of weeks before. 
I did the Ballater Games Hill race like three days before the selection race just for a bit of fun and I twisted my ankle so badly um, that it, you know, four weeks later the world champs, I'd only been able to really do a lot of cycling and, you know, not really much in the way of running, so it, you know, it was okay, but I can't remember being quite disappointed. And was that was that that world champs? That was a senior, you know, senior world champs race, and you're competing there as oh. an under twenty. Uh, no, so, sorry, it was a, it was under twenty. Under yeah, twenty world champs, okay. Race. I think okay. that was the last one I ran on um, as an under twenty, like the last world champs. Okay. Because um, that same, it, I was going to say that same year you've also got a win. That was a win at the British and Junior Home Internationals at Sedbrough as well, which looks to be quite a a deep field there actually. When you, when you look at that. Um, yeah, so, no, it's, um, that was another good result. Yeah, I certainly remember rounding off the season with that. Um, so it, it was kind of good, you know. As a, I think it was my second last year as an under twenty, but you know already I was managing to sort of mix it up a bit in the, the sort of other race groups too, um, in the sort of senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then into 2010 looks to be a quieter year. Is there any? I mean, um, through there, that's your into under twenties. Was that? Um, uh, was there you were butting down with training more, racing less? Was there a reason for that? Or um, well, I think to be really honest, I think the only reason it looks like I'm racing less is is actually how many events the Power of Ten covered over the years. <laughs> because right. some years they didn't include all the little hill races and local races. Right. Okay. So um, some years look a bit thinner, but 2010 was was kind of similar. But I guess I didn't do so much in the second half of the year because I started uni, um, you know, studying and. Okay. But I. Like basically, it was all another like breakthrough year because I think it was the Snowden International. You know, that was one of the mm-hmm. first big races I won. Um, so that would have been in the July, and that really again, you know, opened a lot of doors up and gave me more sort of confidence. You know, to um, to sort of keep pushing it and mm-hmm. uh, keep you know keeping on going. So. And it's it's really interesting to see how your how your your sort of racing times progress. I mean, in two thousand eleven. You're uh, according to Power Ten. From that stage, you're now in a you're now in a D side vest. And the thing that strike really sticks out uh, for me in 2011 is your your three peaks fell race 256, and um, coming in third at the World Mountain Running Association Long Distance Mountain Running Challenge in in Slovenia as an under 23 in three and a half hours. Is that were those the first times you really started to run longer races, like properly long? Like I would have done more from a younger age if I could. Um, right. I would think about it. Like I look back on my training um, from when I was like 18, and every weekend I was going out for like two and a half hours or three hour long runs, you know, in the hills. Oh wow. So I, yeah, it was, I don't know if it's recommended, you know, by the book or anything, but I just quite enjoyed it. You know, I'd cycle out to like one of the local hills and then just run, you know, um, do really long runs and then cycle home. So it would be. Yeah, it would be a, a tough day of training. So I was quite keen to then do some longer races. And I remember thinking, um, because it was my first senior year, that there was no point trying to run for GB, you know, in the world, now running champs short course, while there was still a Scotland team for this long distance one. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so I went for that. And in the end, like, you know, it went so well. I got this individual medal. And I think our team won gold as well, because we had Tom Owen second, and I think Jeff was fourth. Okay. So um, yeah, we got the team gold, and again, it was really awesome. Like it was such a good weekend. But it, you know, it was tough racing those distances uh, from a young age. Like it probably wasn't the best thing, but it was just good fun. It's you know, about, It's obviously done you no harm. And the other thing that's that's interesting in that year, you know, you're, as you say, you're breaking into the seniors. The 10k, your your road 10k starts to come down as well. 
and I don't know if is that was something you were you're looking at or or it was just it was coming down because you were getting fitter and stronger because I noticed you really you know the years before that it was wasn't much you would write home about and suddenly you're starting to to knock out um 32 minute 10ks that are starting to get quite interesting yeah I mean I'd never really trained specifically for it to be honest I would always do like you know Lumfanon and um, Balmoral or something and you know they were quite weather dependent ones as well especially Lumfanon and um, you know it was often icy and things so I didn't really run any fast times but then I think you know by 2011 I was just getting fitter off of you know doing more mileage and I think I was doing a, a few more flat sessions too but I mean I was not not training specifically for it at all I remember I did I think the week before three peaks I might be wrong but I did it was either a week or two weeks before three peaks. I did a 10K at Balmoral on the Saturday, and then they had a half marathon on the Sunday. And that was like my speed training for the three peaks. You know, I, I see that, yeah. <laughs> and um, not to be recommended, but, you know, I just did them for training, really, um, sort of road races. Um, and, you know, the times came down a bit, but it wasn't really until um, a few years later that I started actually trying to, you know, run quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's it. I mean, yeah, you say that uh, it's quite a big, a big summer there. Um, McCain, the UK Mountain Running Challenge, uh, the, the the long distance world champs, and and Snowden all in all in that sort of summer block. Um, and uh, signs of things to come. You were you medaled at the Commonwealth Mountain Running Championships in Lanberis. Oh yeah, that was the same season, was it? Was that yeah? Like September was that a Scotland vest? Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, so it was like. It was a really good event, actually. It was like a strong sort of home nation field, and then they had a couple of other guys from the different parts of the Commonwealth. And I think that the long distance champs I did earlier in the summer basically just knackered me for most of you know, most of the main season. But that was quite late on, so I recovered and yeah, naturally ran well. So and it was yeah, senior again, so it was um, yeah, it's quite tough. And then into into moving forward, interest. Another interesting thing for me is when we see some now familiar events come onto your radar so we see 2012 still in under 23 which is incredible first time at Sierra Zanal first time at Jungfrau races that you've obviously you've gone on to run many times and and you know and and compete at and win um was that the start of a a love affair with these events and 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 at this stage were you training in the Alps or just traveling out to to race there um so that was the first season that I decided to go and spend most of the summer over there I think, um, I'm trying to think back to that year. Yeah, I think I had a decent holiday from uni. And I just went over there for like, originally I'd planned to go for maybe three weeks and do three races back to back. So I did like, I did the Snowden race. Then I flew out and did like uh, the Jure de Mont Sky race. Then I did the Tion Dixon's mountain race. Then Sierra's and Al a week after. So I did three races back to back. And I planned to fly home after that. But then I got the chance to stay out. Um, I qualified for the the world I think it was the world mountain running championships mm-hmm. um, for the GB team and I got the chance to stay another four weeks out there and then do Jungfrau at the end as well oh, wow. so I thought right I'm just going to take the chance <laughs> and yeah it was my first summer of just training out there and racing and I mean it was just awesome you know I really really enjoyed it I raced terribly I think um, in the first few races they were just disaster but then by the time I got to the world champs everything just came together and I had a really good result you know in the senior men's my, my mm-hmm. first senior men's um, Sort of world champs, and then Jungfrau went you know pretty well too because I remember not running a step of tarmac for like well, a month or something before, <laughs> it, and then having to run run this marathon. But uh, you know it was a really good summer that, and that basically, like you say, you know it set me up for the other years. I kind of knew 
what I like doing and also what I had to do to then do well in those events. And getting, I mean, was that, that was your first, was that your first British vest? Um, first British senior, senior vest. vest. No, no, sorry, I think they had qualified for the Europeans. Okay. I think um, earlier in the season, that was the first British vest. Uh, in Turkey, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Still, so two senior, so that's a that's incredible. Two, two senior vests um, there, and you know, really, it's a, it, I guess it's a sign of things to come. Are those those races are those at that stage? Did you think the likes of Sears and Alan Youngfrau, those are races that you want to go back and and ultimately compete for, build towards competing for the win for, or, or was that not on your radar at that stage? Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, when I was out there, I was just blown away by how good everyone was, and I thought like okay, maybe in the future it would be awesome to be somewhere near the podium, but you know, I don't know if that's even realistic because the guys I would see winning there were just you know, incredible athletes. And, mm. um, you know, it, was, it was a huge, you know, huge gap between where I was then and where I needed to be. Um, but I guess I still had time on my side, so you know, I still kind of believed it, but at the same time, that was kind of as good as it could possibly get for me, you know, being, you know, being like top three in Jungfrau or something, I thought would be like, the best it could ever be so you know it's a bit of a surprise now to have won it so uh so yeah the other result i like that year which uh, i remember i remember being that race and uh at the east district cross-country champs in cooper where you were oh, yeah. you were second behind murray strain um that looks to be the first one of your first strong performances on um on cross-country and again as an under 23 i know we see a lot of so on the under twenty three sort of age group athletes do really well over cross country, but um, was that something that you were uh, with the cross country? Was that something you just bolted on to the end of your season, or were you at that stage trying to take that seriously? Um, I think I just did it just for a bit of fun, to be honest. I don't think I really targeted it. Um, I mean, cross country is one of those things that I've gone through phases of really liking it and then just hating it, and um, you know, I, I think that I really like the course of Cooper. Um, so I knew it was there, and I, I went along and thought, I, I don't know whether I'll be, you know, in the top ten or anywhere near the medals. But then, you know, I just had a really good run, and it was annoying. I think I was quite, was quite close to winning it, but I think something definitely happened at the end. Like I misjudged it slightly, and Murray just like came past. I think I thought I was almost at the finish, or I thought I had more to do, <laughs> and then I just misjudged it or something. I mean, Murray probably would have beaten me in a sprint anyway. Um, but it, I remember something about that finish. Uh, that was was that was the one that was exact details, that was one in the straw field at the yeah I mean, the yeah icy. yeah that's right yeah I guess December and Cooper yeah it's it's a uh, it's part of the part of it um, straw yeah, yeah. No, but uh, yeah I mean even I mean we'll, again moving forward again 2013 still you're very much a senior really stepping up we see uh, Scottish 10 mile champion at the Tom Scott is that your first Scottish national title. Um, yeah, I think the first senior one anyway. Senior, um, okay. I think I won a, a junior one like under 15s um, in in road running, and that was the first. Yeah, that was the first big one that that 10 mile, and that's when the road running seemed to just sort of come. You know, all of a sudden I could just run okay on the roads. Um, so I really remember that actually that race. It was um, yeah, it was so good. You know, one of those days where you just feel like super fit and you can just keep speeding up and you know and you don't get tired. You can, and you're right about the you're right about the road because it looks like you're again. I mean, uh, Grangemouth, we're seeing the 10k come down to 30, you know, into 30 minutes, um, and then leading into a summer return to Youngfrau again. This time with a, a big improvement in 11th. Yeah, like it, I think I ran slightly quicker, but I was maybe two places further back than the previous year. Okay. Like I remember being 
quite disappointed with you. Right. I think Sears and Al that year was like a massive shock because I think I went from about 36th to 5th, you know, that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jungfrau was like, I think I'd kind of peaked, you know, by that point and uh, hit a massive uh, a massive dip and I was absolutely knackered, like, um, after that Jungfrau race. But, like, it was a really good season. I think I got some, you know, podium positions in, in different races um, from memory and, yeah, it was another step in the right direction. And it was, at that stage, yeah. were you were you spending the summers in the Alps then again uh, on the bounce then? Yeah, so I went back again. I mean, it, it's hard to do less than you've done the previous year. So mm-hmm. I think I'd been out for whatever it was, maybe seven weeks the previous year. So this time I went out for about ten weeks, and um, just I think I just more or less went straight away as soon as I finished my exams, and then um, stayed in two different you know stayed in one place for like five six weeks or something, and then moved somewhere else the second half of the summer and just did everything I could you know I was training really well and again the races were a little bit hit or miss like I hoped to have a really good run at the, the European champs and then I got this like stitch thing I, I got a massage the night before the race or two days before and some muscle like in my sort of chest or lower back just seemed to tighten up and then when I started running I just had a stitch right from the start and I couldn't get rid of it so the whole way I was just felt like I was jogging and I just couldn't speed up so that kind of wrote off the European champs. And then I couldn't get selected for the world champs because I didn't want to fly mm. back to Britain to do the trial and I hadn't ran well enough to qualify. So it was a, I kind of had to change the plans a bit, which is why I ended up doing Jungfrau. But generally, it was, it was still a good season. Um, mm. Yeah. And at that time, I mean, was that how your years were going? You were really you were targeting these championship mountain running races? Because I know it's in 2014 again. It's, you know, we see you Scottish, second the Scottish Inter-Counties at the start of the year. But then through the summer... Silver medal at the European Mountain Running Champs in Gap in France, and then 30th at the World Champs in in Italy. Were those were really your seasons built around those races? Um, more or less. I mean, I would always have like Sierra's and Al as a target as well, but it was it was just trying to run well in both of those champs. But I mean, as you can see from the results, it was always hit or miss. Like one of them would go well, one of them wouldn't go well. It's just mm-hmm. it's hard to peak, you know, in July and September, and then also run well in August. Yeah. You know, in, in between so it was kind of I had a lot of good races but then often by the time I got to September things would start to go you know you know races would start to go badly so like I think the following year I was running terribly for the first half of the season and suddenly it all came together in time for the world champ so so that was a real bonus but yeah I definitely remember that one um when I got the medal in gap like that was you know, it was awesome because it was my final year at uni and um I think I went there instead of graduation because it was the same weekend and I was thinking, well, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to graduation. Though. I'm not missing the race. No way. Um, so I went. You know, I wasn't all that popular with some of the people, of course, for doing that. Um, and my mum would even, you know, question why I was doing it. But obviously, there was no choice to make. Like I wanted to run in, in that race, and then in the end, I got the second place. It was like, you know, it was all worth it, and, and it was really good. So. Good job. Good job. You got a medal, though. I mean, I think surely that that eased your or peased your mum that you came back with the silver medal. Yeah, it definitely, and, and that's the way you have to do these things. Like, you know, you have to make sure that you pull the finger out and have a good result when yeah. when it really counts. Because a lot of people, if it had gone badly, everyone would just said, "Oh, I told you, you should have done that. You know, yeah. should have come to graduation." So you have to not let those people be right and just uh, get a good result. So. Quite right. I mean, that's some, that is a, that's amazing. You know, to get a, to medal at that, and it's uh, you know. It, 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 leading on then into 2015, I mean that that's going to be jumped to one, one must be one of the biggest results 
you've had is your bronze medal at the World Mountain Running Champs in, um, I can't even pronounce the name of it, uh, is it in Wales, yeah. Betsy Coyd? Yeah. Betsy Coyd, yeah. Okay. So that was, um, yeah, it was such a good, good race. Like, the first half of the season, things had just been really struggling. And, for example, the European champs had struggled to even make the GB team. I think I was fourth in the trial race, and they only took the top four. And I just got into fourth place on the last part oh, really? of uphill. And then at the Europeans, I was fourth. So, you know, I made a huge improvement over the, the sort of five weeks, whatever it was. But the season was kind of built around this world champs in September. And because it was in Britain for like the first time in ages, you know, we really made a big effort to to get a good, strong team there. And um, everyone was really sort of fired up for it. And we had a really deep sort of trial race. Like there were loads of good guys um, came out of everywhere to have a shot at it. And um, and obviously we knew the course as well because it was the same course that we'd done the trial race on. So it was all like basically set up so well, you know, this world champs. I mean, the pressure was a lot more than what I'd had to deal with um previously because it was an home soil um and then there was a unexpected incident happened as well in the race like so we're lining up there and right on the front row of this race that you've been targeting for like the whole year and then as soon as the gun went like we started running and someone like pushed me and i just fell flat on the ground right at the start and just cut my leg open really, really? badly and bashed my hands and stuff and um, you know it's just an absolute nightmare because it hurt a lot like it wasn't just a little graze it was quite a deep uh, uh-huh. cut and a lot of bruising but luckily some guy like just scooped me up really quickly and then pushed me so then suddenly I was back running quick again and then within you know a few seconds I could sort of make up a bit of time and get back in the race again um, somehow and then just filled with adrenaline and just ran as hard as I could and it was a three lap course and I remember like you know each lap I would just try to push it a little bit harder and try and you know, make up a few places because you can't race it flat out from the start. Like otherwise, you'll tend to just overcook it. But on that last climb, when I was running up, like I remember getting to the top of the hill, and then everything just started going dark. Like because I don't know, like I'd <laughs> beyond the limit that I'd never got to before, and everything just started going dark. And then luckily, I got on the downhill and I could sort of recover. Um, yeah, and it's, it's good. That's it is. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, to win the just so to win the UK trial. I mean. And what I like is when I look at the results, that's just 2000, uh, what were there, 2015. And, you know, looking at the results there, so you've got the win for yourself. Andy Douglas in second at the trial, which is cool. Um, we see, you know, familiar names going down the list. Tom Martin's in there. Uh, Owen Jones. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really impressive. And, I mean, to medal, that must have, that's, uh, was that, was that, that must have been a real highlight. You know, I know the Europeans were strong, but to, to take a, a world championship medal at that stage, that must have been, must have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was a goal that I thought was, might not be achievable, you know, my career to get an individual medal for world champs. And uh, not that many guys, you know, had done it from Britain in the past. So, you know, it was the best opportunity I had, you know, to get, to basically be in that position. So I just put everything into it in terms of the training, the preparation, and then on the day, did what I could. And, you know, there wasn't that much in it. I think I only got into the third place on the final lap um, I think it was maybe nine seconds ahead of the you know the other yeah. guy, so there wasn't much in it, but I just managed to get it. So it was really you know it was really amazing. But then you know then I had the doping control, and I was in there for about four hours, and everybody oh, else yeah. was celebrating. You know, all your friends and family are just having a great time, <laughs> just sitting there in this dark room in like a rugby club sort of like toilet changing room thing, just sitting there, you know, for about four hours. Uh, everyone's gone home, so. 
yeah, but no, it was a really good, really good weekend. And at that stage, I mean, you're so you're meddling now. You're, I think it looks like twenty under twenty three still. You're meddling at at world champs. Well, how do you at that stage? What do you see? What do you start thinking about moving forward? It's all about right, con- continue to compete as one of the best in the world as a, a mountain running, or 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 were you thinking about trying your hand at other things? Um, I think at that point, I was thinking I was actually that was when I first thought about the marathon. Mm-hmm. Just to try something different, because you know I, it's quite a commitment to to basically build your whole season around the European and World Champs. So I thought, well, I want to do something different now. I want to try a few different mountain races, and also I want to you know see what I can do on the roads. You know, if I'm any good at it, or you know, just have a shot. Um, so that's when I started thinking about that. And then I think after the World Champs and that season was over, I started sort of training up for London, you know, 2016. And so that's where it all really started. The marathon training, you know. Mm-hmm. There. I mean, I think the 10Ks we see at the end of 2015, we see, you know, really smashing that 30-minute barrier in Paris. Um, really, obviously, road road speed's clearly there. And, and yeah, what I find interesting in 2016, we I noticed that you ran the Hanover Marathon as a debut two weeks before London. What was the, the logic behind that? <laughs> That's always a funny one. Like, people, because, you know, it's just on Power 10, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of, it's hard to doesn't explain the story. Were you pacing it. or something? But um, I was actually pacemaking um, for someone. So okay. they asked me to pace. And then originally I thought, oh, it's two weeks before London. Like, there's <laughs> no way I should do it. But um, I'd agreed to pace, I think, till about 30k or 35k. Um, and then I was going to drop out. But then when we got to that point, like, I could see, I think we were in about fourth place or something. Oh, wow. And then there was a in the marathon and then I could see like two more women just ahead like not just ahead but within a few hundred meters sort of within one or two minutes or whatever and and then um, you know I thought I'd better just stick on and see what we can do and then I just managed to like I think we passed the last runner a hundred meters before the end not the last sorry the, the two I could see so we were in second place you know in the marathon and passed the last one like literally a hundred meters before the finish so I thought it was worth it. And then the woman who actually won it ended up failing a drugs test. So the girl <laughs> that I paced ended up winning it. So it was like, it was good I stayed on. and Because uh, she went on to run the Olympics after that. So it was, oh, she had cool. to run like a qualifying time. So, so, yeah. but, as a, but, as so a, but as a warm-up, two weeks for London. So what, what did you, did that did that fill you with confidence pre-London? Or was that, uh, more, were you concerned about the recovery? Because your London run, in hindsight, I mean, that's a, that was obviously... Let's call that your proper debut, two fifteen thirty eight. That's uh, strong. Yeah, I mean, I think it was actually after having done the, the pacemaking, I was a little bit worried because I was thinking, well, a two thirty actually feels quite tiring. <laughs> you know, it felt so easy for like the first half, and you know, I was just kind of jogging along. But then after that, I was like, you know, when I got to thirty odd k, I was thinking, this is this is nowhere near the goal pace I have, but it's still <laughs> hard. It's still really hard, and. I remember the next day waking up and my legs were just, you know, pretty sore. And I was thinking, oh, I've got two weeks left. But I think the the issue actually was potentially I I just dug myself into a little bit of a hole there, and then I ended up getting really sick. Um, yeah, a week before my debut, like the proper debut. So I I went over to some friends' house, you know, um, and it was kind of I think they were doing London as well, and it was I just sort of meal to sort of say, oh, you know, it's been a good block of training and whatever will see you in London because I was staying in Austria at the time or or Germany so I'd gone to Austria to have this meal with these friends and, and someone cooked something really dodgy and then 
I just remember being absolutely the worst food poisoning I've ever had. And like my coach at the time, Martin, reckoned that having basically done the marathon like the two weeks before might have weakened my immune system a bit. And then I just suffered so badly. So I wasn't even going to run Monday. Like on the Wednesday before the marathon, I was thinking, you know, what's the point? Like, really? I can't get out of bed. Blimey. Yeah, it was, I mean, I think I got out of bed by the Wednesday, but I'd just been so sick and I hadn't been able to eat anything. And, you know, like, to give you some idea, I would try and go out and run and I just jogging <laughs> and I felt absolutely awful. And I was struggling to get down more than like a slice of toast, you know, at a time. My stomach was still like really upset. So I thought one would one, one be in the cards. So, you know, my flight on the Friday back to London and, you know, even on the Friday, I was having to, like, liquidise all my meals, like, just drink, you know, everything rather than eating because uh-huh. I couldn't um, stomach it. Like, my stomach was still so off. So I was, like, making all these juices and I was searching the shops to get the, the drinks with the most calories in them and stuff. Um, but then in the end, it came together just in time. Like, I remember, I think, on, you know, on the Saturday, yeah, the Friday wasn't great. And then the Saturday suddenly it just came together and then I think for dinner on the Saturday I had a pizza and a risotto and then I knew like right (laughs) now I'm ready for the marathon but it was yeah it was touch and go like (laughs) that I was going to make it and how did that how did that go were you happy with the 2.15.38 and how how did the race unfold there first experience at London well it was yeah it was incredible absolutely incredible like the whole experience in terms of you know being in the elite uh, starting area you know being bust to the start being alongside all these amazing runners and um <clears throat> i just had no idea what to expect obviously with the illness and things it kind of taken away my my race plan and obviously my i didn't really know what i could run but i reckon had an outside chance of running a you know a quicker time like a 214 or something so i would just run more or less that pace for the first half and see what happens but in the end you know i went off a bit but it was going you know was going pretty well i think um, it was just I think I got a stitch or something in the last 5k but I was absolutely delighted with it you know after the, the week I'd had like he told me on the Wednesday I'd run 2.15 that would have been way more than <laughs> I could do so I, I was really happy with it but I knew that there was you know unfinished business uh, mm-hmm. with the marathon so um and that, so, that yeah. and that how did you I'm, I'm, I'm trying to cast my mind back how did you get on in terms of Scots and Brits at, at London that year yeah, well, in terms of Brits, it is okay, but not in, not in terms of Scots. <laughs> obviously, you had Callum, you had Derek, Derek, you had yeah. uh, Tewaldi. you know, so there were three Scots ahead of me, so I was fourth Scot. Um, fourth Scot, fourth Brit. Yeah, well, I wasn't fourth, but I think uh, Chris Thompson was maybe just ahead, oh, and, okay. and Matt Bond as well. So I was maybe sixth Brit, but we were quite close, so I think Matt Bond was like five or six seconds in front, and Chris Thompson was like 30 seconds in front. Um, but it was kind of annoying because I remember there was one point about 36, 37k where I was catching, you know, I was catching Chris Thompson and I just dropped Matt Bond and I thought, all oh, right, you know, I'm still on for a good time. But then it just, I don't know, I got this stitch and then suddenly, you know, I just kind of lost the confidence. But yeah, I mean, in terms of Scots, it wasn't that good. I just saw the standard. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's some debut and then it brings you through into the summer another. Another big summer with your first, the first of your wins at uh, Youngfrau and a second place at Sierra Zanal. Those must have been great moments to to come back to those races you've done a few times and and and, and be at that level that you you said you you maybe aspired to, but you know knew it was quite a big level to get to. 
Yeah, and definitely, because also I didn't know how I'd react going back from the road to the mountains again, so I was really worried that I would lose that kind of strength I had. And, you know, I'd struggle to get back into it, but it just seemed to click, like, even better than before, even. And um, I just enjoyed it. Like, I mean, when I was only doing mountain running, it was obviously great. But then coming from the road again, it was like discovering a sport, you know, for the first time again. So going from doing all this road training to then training back on the trails and the mountains, it was like... You know, it was so much fun being, you know, doing that sort of racing again. So I think I, I realised how much I enjoyed it again. And the likes of Jungfrau, it's just the confidence, you know, knowing you could run a fast marathon and also run uphill. So, you know, I was in a really good position by then. Um, but I think I had a bit of an injury. I'd, yeah, that was the year. Yeah, I remember it now. Basically, every race I did, I fell. Um, every mountain race and basically hurt something. So, um, and I got stung by bees as well in two different races. <laughs> So that is terrible race. luck. Sorry? That is terrible luck. To be stung by a bee in two races. Yeah, I swallowed one in one of the races and it stung me on the back of the throat. Oh, um, And And yeah, it happened halfway around the race. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, there's a small chance I could just die here because I don't know if I'm allergic <laughs> to like, bees. And also, I don't know how it's going to react to continuing racing. Um, and I managed to win the race still. And I got to the end, and I was trying to explain to someone what happened, but I could barely speak. And people just kept looking at me, you know. And then eventually they found out what was wrong. Like, oh, it was an absolute agony. And I had to get the sting taken out, you know. Oh, dear. But, um, and then I'd, and then another race after that, I, I fell really badly on this, like, wet sort of wooden bridge thing. And I cut my knee open badly. And then five minutes later, I got stung. I got a bee inside my shorts. <laughs> it stung me a couple of times. So it was just a season where... Everything went wrong in the race. The race was also great, but there was a lot of pain involved. And then by the time I got to Jungfrau, this bashed knee that I'd had, something just wasn't quite right, um, and I had to get a lot of physio. I got through the race, but then after that, I had to get my knee fixed up, basically, uh, properly. So. You must be the only man in the world who can answer this question. Is it worse to, to be stung by a bee in the throat or down your shorts? Uh, oh, definitely in the throat. Like, it depends where it gets you in the shorts, like, Inside the shorts, I guess. But for me, it wasn't too bad. Like, I think I got two stings in total, um, you know, in the sort of bomb and stuff. It wasn't too bad. All right, but okay. the throat was just, I mean, you have no idea. Like, you just, you want to have a drink of water. And then the pain of the water passing over where the sting is and eating food as well. Just oh agony. And then, of course, trying to run. Like, the next day, I was determined to still train. And I ran up this hill and just breathing in, like, ah, oh, it was just so sore. It was just, oh, it was not good. I can't imagine. I absolutely can't imagine. Well, so anyway, it's obviously not done you any harm. I mean, you're so you're getting these sort of wins. Something that comes to mind. At what stage did you start um, working with Salomon? Uh, uh, these years. Um, I think it was about 2014, maybe the beginning of that year. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, until then I was I can remember I was running for Innovate for a while. And then, I, you know, they changed the shoes quite a lot. And I thought, oh, okay, right, I'll maybe switch, you know, and try and get something else. And then started, you know, running on the Salomon team and, you know, kind of not at the top level or anything, just getting the kit and things in, um, from the British team. Um, so, yeah, about 2014, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. And what was that, what's that like being as part of a, a Salomon team, say? It's, it's just, it literally just kit or you're training as a group, you're, you're, work, you're staying in camps or how does it, how does it work? 
Um, yeah, it depends, really. Um, I've been on one of the camps, you know, where we've gone to a race together and, well, maybe two of them, you know, gone to a race and sort of stayed as a group and things. And it was quite nice, you know, being part of the, the team and everything. Um, uh, I mean, it, I just <laughs> actually resigned from Salomon today. Uh, so <laughs> probably not known uh, anywhere apart from here at the moment. So, uh, yeah, not for, yeah. So we can slag them off. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't say anything nasty at all. But, you know, it, it's nice being on the team, and I really enjoyed the UK setup, especially. But the problem is with anything like once you, once you're getting stuff for free from people, and you know, especially sponsors, they kind of want you to do what they want, and what you want is kind of irrelevant some of the time. Like, mm-hmm. it's lucky if you can get a sponsor who wants basically wants the same thing as you want. But you know, Salomon in the end kind of moved towards more longer trail races and these things and I moved more towards doing a mixture of mountain running and road running Mm -hmm. which didn't seem to work all that well you know so it's difficult to work with a sponsor like that whereas you know I quite like doing what I like and I'll do it whether I have a sponsor or not so Mm -hmm. I'd rather do that than kind of sell out and just do all the you know selfie stick races and things and you know (laughs) that kind of thing quite right quite right Tom, that was amazing. Um, I say amazing. I, ha- I haven't actually listened to the interview yet, so <laughs> I can't say it's amazing. We do this all the time. We're like, oh, that was a great interview. But uh, yeah, once once it's uploaded, I'll have a listen and uh, I'll feed back my thoughts. Uh, and I'm sure if any of the other listeners want to feed feedback their thoughts about uh, the interview with Robbie, then feel free. And likewise, if any of us have got any questions, and we'll try and um, we'll try and tell you, announce who we're going to interview. If anyone does have any questions they would like to ask any of our uh, guests, then feel free to to give us a message and and let us know. So and so in terms of that, we we did we do ask for running related rants from anyone or just uh, simply any listener questions, uh, any 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 other questions that anyone's got. So we actually got one from Dave Wilson of Breaking Roadrunners. Uh, so he's. He's emailed into the to the show and uh, he's he'd be interested to hear what our thoughts are uh, in terms of a, a treadmill scenario, Tom. So he's trying to build up his weekly tempo run and he's trying to lock in his target marathon pace by increasing his weekly this weekly tempo run to get used to holding a, that that pace. Um, so in the past he's done he's 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 done this in the roads, which are always hilly, therefore. Uh, he's been doing a lot of his pace-based, his uh, pace-based efforts um, over over time. So he he'd be keen to hear what our thoughts are on the benefits or disadvantages of sessions on the treadmill, or would he be better sticking to the hilly roads and not knowing if he's actually running at his specific target pace? Uh, and he's also uh, given us kudos that he's loving the podcast as well. So. So there you go. So, so Tom, what's your? Did did you understand that that question there? I did. Firstly, thanks, Dave. We are we're delighted that you're loving the podcast. On the te- on the treadmill stuff, my tuppence is as just uh, from a running a runner perspective is, I would say stick to the roads if you can. You know, and the the treadmill. I'm not convinced by the treadmill in terms of maybe it's just me, but I seem to go on a treadmill 
and I'm always breathing up my ass at a pace that I shouldn't be. You know, like I put it at seven minute miling or something. I'm thinking, geez, that's quite hot. Or I, or differently, I crank it up and it's sitting at like five minute miling, and I'm thinking, and I'm barely breathing. So I don't think I get it that right. The one caveat I guess to that is I've got friends who work offshore, particularly Sam Milton. Shout out to him, and he has a foot pod, so he uses that, and it connects to his watch, so it measures his cadence, and it's your speed is your watch is telling you your pace based on your cadence knowing your stride length so I think that's quite interesting way to do it and to get quite an accurate way of doing it but I think in terms of he's talking about pace efforts for me David I would say you you just have to try and accept you know learn what learn to run on feel and and running on the, the the hellier routes will bring you more leg strength I would think yeah I, I think you're I, I think you're right Tom um now, kind of going back to treadmill running, that I I I quite like the treadmill for for doing some sessions, and I, currently we've got Storm Diana uh, kicking about just now, and if I was running at the moment, I would be I probably would do my session on the treadmill. Now, the thing about the treadmill is uh, the calibration. You never know if the machine, the machine's pace or speed is actually accurate uh, unless you know it's been calibrated. So. That's something to think about if you're going to, you know, go onto the treadmill and go, right, my target marathon pace is, uh, I don't know, six thirty minute miles or seven minute miles. That seven minute miles could actually feel harder or, 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 or easier um, based on the calibration. Also, as well, um, the heart rate, your heart rate is usually faster on the treadmill as well because you kind of build up a, a layer of hot, humid hot humid air around your body on the treadmill and, and you have to send you have to send more blood to your periphery as well so mentally also the mentally the treadmill can be pretty boring as well and uh and but that probably makes running outside a lot easier as well okay it's hilly but um but yeah i, I think for me um you, you've got two things really i think you can go do exactly what you, you know again it's a bit difficult to use perceived effort um, on the treadmill, even if it is an accurate pace, because yeah, I mean, you're, the calibration is not there. Um, but also, you know, if you if you're outside, I think you need to just find a you can find a flat flat road somewhere. Even if you have to travel, if you do want an accurate um, uh, conversion of of what your marathon pace is, then find a flat piece of road and make sure it's a still day, and that's the best you're going to get, really. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I agree with you, Tom. I think you you just have to stick to the to the rolling hills and um, and maybe use the treadmill now and again for for a pace, you know, for a session. But don't get too caught up on on effort, uh, or don't get too caught up on pace. Focus more on on getting to that that effort that you need yeah. to, you know, that effort you need for a tempo run, really. So I think you're spot on. That about, makes sense. I think you're spot on about the weather. I mean, tonight there would be no value in going outside. I, I went out for a run, just a run, and it was horrible. Absolute sideways winds knocking you off your feet. There's no way you can do a session that's of any use, in my opinion, on that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. If, you're, if, you can, if, if you've got a treadmill for that, or when, you know, days when the streets are icy and you can't, you know, run because it's just, a, you know, absolute um, death trap, then, yeah, I think I agree. That's, that is a good time to do it on. What what I would say is, Tom, I did get a message from one of my uh, one of my clients who took up my uh, my offer of, of coaching, um, and <laughs> and I'm not going to name who it is, but 
they, they did ask, uh, is is it just for me to go out and do my uh, do my hills for today? And I was like, absolutely, mate. <laughs> Fire on out there. Right. You know, there was only 30-odd seconds of, of running, but it was more about make sure that you do a good warm-up and make sure it's safe to go out as well. Because, I mean, it's 40-mile-an-hour winds. If you're under a tree, then you don't want a mm. tree hitting you in the head, you know. But uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think you've got to be sensible with it. But if you're going to do a tempo run outside in 40-mile-an-hour winds, then... Ah, I think you need to jump, jump, either have a, have a, do an easy run or jump onto the treadmill if you've got one and just crack on with your session there. So there you go. So yeah, how's that? I think that answers the question, hopefully. I think it does. So thanks, Dave, for getting in touch there. That was, that was good. We've got a few more in the bank now, which is, which we'll continue to, to touch on as we move on. Moving on from running rants, we can we've got a couple of bits of race news. The one thing that came out yesterday, we were a bit sad to see. I hope he's okay. Is that, uh, Callum Hawkins won't be running the uh, Fukuoka um, Marathon this weekend, so that's uh, that's a shame. We hope uh, Callum is his niggles are okay. I guess we'll hopefully see him make his return to marathon marathoning in um, in, in in the springtime. The other news is obviously we've touched on it earlier was the GB teams to the Eurocross have come out. So Anna McFadden being the main Scottish interest there. So um, and Jamie Wilson actually I should mention we didn't mention him before but Jamie Wilson is has been Jamie Wil- as well. J- Jamie not Jane Wilson. Sorry Jamie. Jamie Williamson. Williamson sorry I misread that. So, yeah bigger pardon Jamie. So Jamie has been selected in the relays I understand. That's right yeah so I, I think that the relays that's a new one isn't it. Is that not... I don't think they've had it really before, have they, in the Eurocross? Yeah, so it was introduced last December for the first time. GB won the mix really last year, so Jamie will be running in that. So, so yeah, I think in terms of that, I, I don't think we've got any other news, do we? No, I don't think we do, actually. I think we're... Uh, we're that's been a quiet week. I mean, we don't need any news. We've had your your big run. I guess at least your next uh, running endeavour is is a little bit shorter in, this, in the, the Santa run. Santa Run, I forgot about that. Yeah, so uh, apparently I'm organising a, a Santa Run, the Aberdeen Santa Run. Um, it's uh, it's on behalf of uh, our. I work for a charity, funnily enough, Aberdeen Sports Village. It is a charity. We do all our profits go back into the sports development side of things and uh, improving our facilities for the community, um, and also for children's charity Chaz as well. Um, so the it's a profit share. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, re- a children's charity. Uh, does a, a a great you know, does a lot of great work with children uh, with with really severe disabilities, and um, you know a lot of them have got shortened lifespans as well. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants to come along to the event, um, I'm organising it. I'll be uh, running about, hopefully uh, making sure everyone's having a a jolly time in their Santa suits. Uh, feel free to come along. It's Sunday the 9th of December and it starts at uh, 10 a.m. 10 There's two waves, two 5k waves. There's also a mile run as well. But wave run, wave one is actually full. But wave two, there's still some space. So sign up. It's on Entry Central. If you just Google Aberdeen Santa Run, uh, and I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Or you can go on to the Aberdeen Santa Run Facebook event page and sign up there. So that's my uh, that's my sales pitch for uh, for today, Tom, and uh, and and that's about it. But before that, there's the East District Cross Country Championships as well. There is and indeed Balgani. 
So how are you feeling for that? Are you, are you starting to... I'm you think good. Get... Yeah, I could do with my legs waking up a little bit more, but that will be... You know, I'm four weeks out of the marathon. I've got no that is that excuse is is, is is that ship sailed unfortunately. So I'm hoping another week I'll ship I'll uh, sharpen up a wee bit and yeah I'm I'm feeling good for it. We just need to see how the yeah it's it's almost upon us a week on Saturday. So we'll see how the how the how the weather looks and oh yeah to, well, need to rally the metro lads at some sort of stage of next week. Get the, get in the metro huddle again. Absolutely, I'll be good. You know it. it will yeah. be good. That'll be good fun and we'll have a. Uh, a, a Christmas celebration afterwards as well, so it'll be a it'll be a good weekend. Oh, it's gonna be gonna be awesome. Absolutely. So, right. So other than that, Tom, I think we can round it off. Uh, as always, if you've got anything at all that you would like to um, chat about, or you'd like us to chat about, or any feedback, please let us know. Um, you can catch us at uh, God. What's our at Tartan Shorts on Twitter at what is Oh god, I've forgotten our email addresses. What is it? So our email address is, at... Yeah, running shorts at gmail.com. Facebook is at Tartan Running Shorts and Twitter is at Tartan Shorts. One last pitch I'm gonna put in here, Tom, um, is we have obviously the our podcast, the, the, the more reviews we get and the more five stars we get, the more uh, presence we're gonna get. So if you are listening to this and you enjoy listening, please give us a five star review. Um and that'll hopefully help us uh, get some 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 bigger bigger names such as the Mo Farahs out there and uh, the Sevcos and the and, and and all these other fast people hopefully. But yeah, hopefully we're we're still enjoying um, the interviews and I'm hoping you guys are enjoying them too. So there you go. Absolutely, yeah. Great. Right. Well, have Perfect. a good week. Have a good week, listeners, and we will speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.